you all right? I lied to you. And Lieutenant Tyler, I attacked you. I could have killed you. You weren't yourself. But I was. We are born afraid, we Kelpians. It's how we survive. As such, my whole life, I have never known a moment without fear. The freedom of it. Not one moment. Until Pavo. Welcome to the STD Podcast, a Star Trek Discovery Podcast, an unofficial podcast of the CBS series, Star Trek Discovery. Hi, I'm Clarence. I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with the Who Story and Kyle Jones. How you doing, man? Hey, man. How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. You're not talking British anymore. <laughs> oh, dear. I do believe I've lost my recorder. <laughs> And next we have uh, the tech historian, Carrie Brown. Carrie, how's it going, dude? Salutations. Pretty good. Cool Pretty beans. Good. Cool beans. And on at a remote location, <laughs> we have <laughs> the tech historian, Jonathan Shorts. John, how's it going, dude? Uh, I'm a bit lost in the Delta Quadrant, but I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> he was just standing there, trying to record a podcast in the closet. <laughs> So hi, is everyone? Everybody doing pretty good? Oh yes. yeah, just having a couple of spores and enjoying the evening. And there you go. Cool beans, cool beans. Yeah, man. Uh, so guys, what we do do here on this podcast is we review each episode of Star Trek Discovery in detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, today we will be reviewing Star Trek Discovery episode entitled. Civis Pisum Parabellum, and I'm not butchering that, guys. Uh, but that translates into if you want peace, prepare for war. Now, guys, we got a bit of feedback from our last episode from a feedback. yeah, from a guy that Cal Jones would be very familiar with. He uh is a friend of our other show, which is discussing who, and that is uh Matthew Tunage. Uh have you guys been able to hear the feedback? I did. Yeah. yeah, I did as well. Yeah, so um, so <laughs> so uh, Matt, Matthew iterates uh, the need for us people who have not watched Groundhog Day that it's it's a must watch and that we need to go out and watch it immediately. So uh, he made that suggestion to Kyle and myself, and uh, he gave uh, gave a pretty good explanation of. Uh, Star Trek for the voyage home, which I kind of botched <laughs> the last time, but uh, let's hear it in Matt's own words right now. Hi guys, it's Matthew. Um, Kyle and Clarence know I've been uh, um, listening to uh, the Discussing Who podcast for uh, quite a while now, and, uh, and I'm a fan of Doctor Who. But um, actually, my favorite uh, television science fiction franchise is uh, is definitely Star Trek. So I've been following you guys also here on the STD podcast. Haven't had a chance to um, to send in some uh, some feedback until now. 
but I uh, just wanted to say uh, a few things. Uh, first, um, uh, you, to kind of call back to the first episode, uh, if you're going to grade my Star Trek fandom on the uh, the scale you guys use, I'm a 4.0. Seen every episode, including the animated series, which you guys forgot to mention, and got them all on DVD, the movies, and everything. Um, and so it's fun to hear you guys talk about it. I've really been enjoying Discovery so far. I love how it's kind of referencing uh, a lot of things from the original series, which is my favorite of the shows, uh, but also uh, doing a lot to forge its own new direction. It's very modern. It's a great show so far. Um, a couple of things, though, about the uh, the most recent episode that I had to uh, 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 send in some feedback about are really not directly related to uh one of them not directly related to Star Trek, the other one not related to uh, um, uh, Discovery either. But uh, first off, Kyle and Clarence, you have got to see Groundhog Day. It is a great movie. It's one of Bill Murray's funniest movies directed by Harold Ramis, uh, who's a genius. You've got to see this movie. Um, secondly, Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, the plot of the movie is, and, and by the way, this is the movie uh, that introduced me to Star Trek, but made me a fan back in back in the 80s. Um, a uh, alien probe comes to Earth and is sending out this uh, signal, which no one on Earth can interpret. Uh, the crew of the late Enterprise, which was destroyed in the last movie, they're returning to Earth for court-martial and a stolen Klingon bird of prey. They intercept the probe trans, probe's transmission, which is so powerful it's destroying everything on Earth. Um, they determine that the signal's aimed at Earth's oceans, and when you play back the signal, adjusting it for what it would sound like underwater is the Song of Humpback Whales, which have been extinct on Earth for almost 300 years. So in order... To be able to understand what the probe is saying or what signal it's sending and give a response in the hopes of saving Earth, they've got to find two humpback whales. The only way to do that, travel back 300 years in the past, retrieve two, and bring them back in, into uh, the 23rd century. And uh, it's a great movie. It's up until the J.J. Abrams movies came along, it was the highest grossing Star Trek movie, extremely popular amongst non-Star Trek fans. And if you haven't seen it in a while, it's definitely worth your time to go back and give that a rewatch. But watch Groundhog Day first. Uh, enjoying the podcast, guys. Uh, once we get to the mid-season break, I'm going to try to uh, pull together my thoughts on everything we've seen on Discovery so far and send that into you guys. But uh, keep up the good work. So, again, we thank Matthew for that feedback. Uh, just awesome to have people that write in that really love the show. And we thank him for sending in that feedback. So, guys, if you want to send in feedback as well, you can send those uh, voice messages that you can record on your iPhone or Android device. You know, just record something and send it via email to fans at stdpodcast.com. And we would love to play it on the show. So, guys, any news or anything that happened in the past week, Star Trek related or maybe even sci-fi related that you have that you might want to bring up real quick? Yeah, this is like totally unrelated, but I think it's interesting that um, Disney is in talks to possibly purchase 20th Century Fox and the implications that could have on Star Wars and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Uh, uh, very, very interesting. And then kind of bring everything under one fold. And I would, it would be very cool to see what they can do with the X Men properties over at Disney. Yeah, if that happens, that would be awesome. And uh, Kyle, we did a particular view of a, a, a Marvel property recently on discussing who. What was that? Oh, what was it? Was it uh, Thor Ragnarok, which was absolutely a fantastic movie? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be prepared to laugh a lot. <laughs> Thor is funny, actually. Uh, surprising, I know. But yeah, you guys, if you want to catch up on that, you can check out our review of that movie on uh, DiscussingWho.com, where we go into detail about it. And, you know, again, I'll just say just a wonderful movie. So, guys, uh, let's go ahead and move right along and get into our review of Civis Persum Parabellum. Um, so the USS Discovery is tasked with a high priority mission to the planet Pavo to learn the science behind the Klingons cloaking technology. Um, so just a real non-spoilery spoiler, thoughts of the episode. What, what did you guys think of the episode? I thought it added a lot of depth to Saru, even though it, on the surface you wouldn't think that. But, I, you know, I felt like his character, I don't know, this is going to sound funny, but I feel like his character was humanized a bit, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> no, it makes good sense. Yeah, totally agreed. Totally agreed. Um, yeah, I love how they d- dove deep into what makes him, you know, being a Kepler and what makes him who he is. And kind of cool to see that stripped away a bit. And, and as well as the things we see happen with the Klingons in this episode. And but we'll dive deep into that. Uh, John or Kyle, any thoughts? Well, no, I got to Yeah, go ahead. Here's uh, I'm. Uh... Uh-oh, this uh-oh. was not a good episode <laughs> for me. I don't. I mean, I, I agree with Carrie. It added depth to Saru's character. Number one, it seemed like it it all happened too fast, and it just again left a lot out. I don't know. I'm I'm not a fan of this episode. Mm, I have to say, I'm agreeing with Carrie, and I enjoyed the episode. I I I, I, I I'm not sure exactly what I did or didn't like about it, but I, I mean it's. It, it was enjoy, you know it was enjoyable to watch and I agree that it 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 did add a little bit of I don't want to say sympathy for the character but a little bit of understanding especially with uh, the comments about fear and stuff like that so I mean I I liked it yeah you know and I think I'm kind of in between um, you know Carrie and John on this uh, because I thought it was just okay. You know, it was it was by far my least favorite of the Star Trek Discovery episodes that we have upon first watching. Now, you know, of course, we watched it two or three times to review. I enjoyed it a lot more when I watched it the second time. And I don't know if it's just that I kind of knew what to expect, but I really I really felt that it was a pretty solid episode. Um, I don't know how many times you actually watch it, John, if you don't mind me asking. Uh, well. Two, but really one and a half. I watched it one time again, trying to stream from my app on my phone to my TV, which again got to a part where I had to rewind and it screwed it all up. So <laughs> the next day I had to go back and watch it again. And actually, come to find out, I was rewinding because I thought I'd missed something, but come to find out, I didn't. It just wasn't there. So. <laughs> 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 wow. Uh, that doesn't bode uh, well for the show. <laughs> so also, yeah. I, go ahead, Karen. No, I was just going to say, like, I just feel like there's so many like layers to this. Um, Like you can just kind of take it at face value and they didn't really do a whole lot, you know, like on the surface of it. But when you think about like all the like juxtapositions, because like for me, like for Saru, it's like. He's this character that's afraid of everything, and like he 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 just seems like he's this weak, like frail. You know, his species is always getting hunted, and then he finds something. 
he found he finally finds peace and he's willing to do anything he can to protect that peace. And you actually I mean, for a few of those scenes, you know, like the characters are actually kind of afraid of him, which is just like this huge juxtaposition yeah. for his character. And I don't know. I just thought that was really, really fascinating. Yeah. Agreed. So, so guys, I did a poll on Twitter, which we got not a huge amount of responses around 40 or 50. Uh, let me get the exact number 42 responses where, uh, I said, uh, so what do we think of last night's episode? Uh, see if it's pay some parabellum. Uh, four options were love it. It was okay. Didn't like it. Least favorite so far. And 48% of people that voted actually loved it. So, uh, I was a bit surprised by that because I thought, you know, unless you're just diehard Trekkie, you probably wouldn't even find anything interesting about this episode. But that being said, most of the people who are subscribed to CBS All Access are diehard Trekkies. So, <laughs> so, uh, um, it's a little pandering to the crowd, I guess, a bit. But guys, you know, we're going to dive deep into the episode. And, uh, if you have not seen Sevis Payson Parabellum, Star Trek Discovery, uh, I have to tell you, uh, from this point on, Spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So, guys, okay. we are back and ready to review this episode. So, we are. We start off with this scene of uh, we see the Gagarin getting attacked by um was it six klingon vessels it may not have been that many but but uh we see the cloaked klingon vessels in full force and yeah cole's been busy he's been <laughs> he's been distributing this cloaking technology throughout the different houses and uh seems like the the federation has a big problem on their hands oh yeah so question for you guys for all of all of Lorca's talk of war and being this war person what do we actually think of his tactical skills because we see yeah we see him in a few fights and he has not been that great agreed yeah they're well, not in his they're not getting that across very well that he's some <laughs> like uh military genius <laughs> it certainly doesn't seem that way in his defense though i don't think he i mean other than the spore drive i hadn't really seen anything that would help him much and it doesn't seem like the uh guy that's uh targeting the targets or he's just not as good i don't know how to say that better i forgot what his position is called but yeah it's like i I enjoy this episode but by no means that i think it was perfect and um i'll get into the other problem i had with it later but that like you kind of hit the nail on the head here this is supposed to be like the cutting edge state-of-the-art um uh federation starship and okay i get the cloaking technology thing that kind of makes sense but like why in the world are the weapons so puny on this on this on this ship like i just i don't get it yeah yeah well i mean at some point he makes the the statement that is going from a science vessel to a warship um early on i think in episode one or two so, well, no, episode three, because he wasn't at one. They couldn't ship some more guns in or something like that? <laughs> like, seriously? You they can be They can think. be anywhere. Zap back to the freaking armory <laughs> and put some better weapons on it. Point and, taken. you know, through, 
throughout Star Trek history, you know, the, the Enterprise, I mean, our Starfleet ships have never been the heavy armored battle ships that you see with other races, but we always get a win some kind of way. But, and but, here but, we're, we're 0-2, and it, it kind of bothers me. Like, there should be a an ingenious plan to do something tricky and get a win. We got to have a win. Yeah. My question is this. So, like, what are, what are the big wars that have happened? So, the Klingon War is a huge one. Then they have a huge war with, with what, the Romulans? Was that the other one? Yeah, the yeah, Romulans does, were one. When did that war. happen? It was after this, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I guess the point doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> but even even in those, they weren't like there wasn't like super firepower, was yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's. I think they're going to get better, but you know, of course, they're progressing the series along. So, you know, the good guys can't always win, but you just want to see a little more coming from the great tactician Lorca, you know, uh, menagerie room Lorca, and all this, you know, talk of how good he is his fight. And 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 not only that, we know that Lorca has been the the captain on a ship that went down. So, how good really is he? And he's the lone survivor. What? How good it really yeah, is well, I think he's as good as he thinks he is. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm not taking him as being this fantastic uh, pre Picard, pre, uh, you know, any of the other captains. Captain, yeah. I'm just seeing he's just so we're just seeing a Star Trek vessel that's not one of the you know lead Enterprise like vessels. Where this is just one of those other ships that's out there and. More so, I don't see him as being this great captain. Yeah, I mean, and like as far as the military thing, like I don't see him so much as a like when I first started watching this show, like I I saw him as some kind of like great tactician, this military mind. And I don't think that at all about him now. I just I don't think he's a tactician at all. I just think he's this ruthless person that will do anything to get the job done. Like, I feel like he's more mobster than tactician, if (laughs) if that makes any sense. (laughs) I get it. I get it. And you know, I'm, and I'm, I was, I was also expecting, I was also expecting them to use the spore drive during this battle, like, like maybe jump like behind <laughs> a bird of prey or something. I this mean, is they, not they Dragon didn't Ball even, Z, John. But that's the point <laughs> of having the spore drive. I yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that definitely. <laughs> But I will say I'm still loving like the CG, you know, the computer graphics are still top notch, even though they were getting their butt kicked. You know, I thought the battle was beautiful, um, which it has been since, since we've seen Discovery. So they're, they're still upping the ante on that and keeping it real, uh, real awesome. And, you know, one other thing I noticed before we move on is that I want to know more about the rest of this crew on the bridge. Uh, so you mentioned the guy who couldn't aim, but I, I was least interested about him. <laughs> but we got the cyborg lady uh, yes, that has the. I, she the, looks cool. We have the the actual all almost all robot lady, and we have the black lady with the hair. <laughs> so <laughs> girl power, I guess. Uh, interesting crew that you know. I, I wish we can you know. Hopefully, we'll dive into those those people a little bit more later on. Hey, maybe she'll be the board queen in the future. <laughs> You never oh, know. Lord. You never know. There'll be time to grieve. This is not that time. <laughs> that was like that was like the polar opposite of the Aragorn speech at the end of Return of the King. Oh boy. 
<laughs> oh man, good stuff. That dude. day is not today. It was yeah, it was not that at all. Oh man, it was yeah, yep. <laughs> so so uh, the next thing we kind of <laughs> answer. Take on, take on. Oh boy. So, so, so the next thing we kind of answer a bit of the questions you had, John, in the last episode we covered. What the heck is Stamets been up to? Uh, Lorca instantly drops in the black alert to get the heck out of Dodge. And we actually, I think we're seeing for the first time where Stamets actually gets connected to the sport drive. Am I right on that? Yep. Mm, we've seen well, the thing in his arm. Well, with none violently anyway. Yeah, with the ports that he's been given. This is his first, um, his first time connecting that I think, but I could be wrong on that. But maybe I guess the most important part of that scene is when he comes out of the sport drive, he calls Kyle's favorite char- character, uh, Miss, Miss Tully, Tilly. He calls her, uh, Captain, Captain Tilly. Yeah, that was pretty good. I didn't really read into that at all, but I guess you could. Well, she, she yeah, did. if you wanted to, she did. I'm, I'm, oh God, you okay over there, Cal? <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, did you see? Did you hear my enthusiasm? I mean, it had to be in back of your head, like her when her when she said, "I'm going to be captain one day." That's what I heard when uh, Stamets made that statement. <sighs> All right, well, I'm going to watch Star Wars one day too, so that don't mean it's going to happen. Oh boy! No, you're going to watch never, Logan one day. You've never seen Star Wars? You no, know, I've, I've yeah. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was being like, facetious. I was like, wait, I was like, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I took the bait on that. Yeah, one. I was yeah. watching Star. Look, I was watching Star Wars before you were born. Oh, that's wow. hey, I think I, that's Fighting words. That doesn't offend me at all. That's awesome. <laughs> So, Props. so do we think that Stamets is just merely crazy, or my theory is that he's somehow traveling in space time somehow? I feel like in three episodes he's going to be a lump of charcoal. I just think he's, <laughs> I just think he's, <laughs> I just think he's like his body's de- decaying. Like that's how I feel about it. <laughs> I, I read it like as you did, Clarence. I, I think he experienced a different timeline, and he's kind of confused and. He just kind of came out in the wrong timeline, maybe. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, so are we? Okay, so when you say he's experienced a different timeline, are we thinking that this is like a different version of him that come, like an older version, or or is he's just experiencing as in his his interpretation or something? Uh, I think that maybe uh, somehow his repeated use of the sport drive is somehow meshing with a future use of it that maybe he does 20 years from now or something, you know? Um, Got you. The Hodor theory? (laughs) Hold the door. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) Hold the door! (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. I couldn't resist. But, I mean, that's what this reminds me of, is that, like, I see what you're saying now, and I guess it's plausible that, like, somehow his future self is getting in, inter, intermingled with his present self. Is that where you're going with that? Yeah, that's what I feel. What was your take on it, John? I, I'm, I'm I'm still sticking with my mirror universe theory. Oh, man. Uh, I don't want that to be it. I don't want that to be it, man. <sighs> it's just because in this timeline, I just don't see a logical way for Tilly to be captain. Agreed. You know, you got to go through Saru... Um, she is on Michael, the path, dude. She's on the path. 
I mean, th- yeah, th- but she's like, she's not a Dude, I mean, th- th- that's that's like saying you don't expect Harry Kim ever to be captain. Well, I mean, I wouldn't in the <laughs> timeline of this Kim? They're at the bottom of the bottom starting up, man. It's it's kind of the same thing. Like everybody would have to die over him at one time. Thank you. But she's like the she doesn't have to be neurotic. Cap- she doesn't have like to be captain just- on Discovery. She can be a, a captain anywhere. I mean, okay, she- let her go serve on the Orville and be captain. So what you're saying is to. she's gonna build herself a little ship and she'll be the captain. <laughs> oh boy, guys, come on, come the, on, come the, on, guys. The USS Tilly. I'm gonna be a focus <laughs> one faster. She's a shuttle captain. Oh, I, I, I don't see it, man. I don't see it. You know how, like, you know how, like, when you're like, I've coached like Pee Wee kids in basketball, and like some kids are like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna be good in high school, and some kids like, um, maybe you should take up basket weaving. Like, I think she's the basket weaving. Carrie, but if you have a mentor pushing you along, as Tilly has Burnham, you may make it. You may just yeah. make it. Uh, I don't think he can polish a turd, man. Oh, God. Wow. This is yeah, hate I, for Tilly. Actually, wow. That's, that's worse that than me. Back. I'll take that back. Miss Busters did actually polish a turd, so I'll, I'll, I'll recant that statement, but you get what I'm, I'm, you know, what I'm getting out there. I mean, what, what well, do we... I wouldn't mind her as a captain. I think if in time she would be a decent captain. I just, I don't think there's enough time in this series for it to happen. It's the hero's journey, man. She's going to be a captain by the end of this series. Just it's watch like, and to see. Me, to me, it's not even plausibility. It's personality. Like, she's way too needy to be a captain. Like, she's way too needy. Like, way too needy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> wow. We, we could talk about Tilly another 20 minutes, honestly. <laughs> but but let, let's table it, because I have more stuff I would say right now about it, because I... Let, <laughs> let's, let's move along. Let's move along. Fire off, Woody. Well, what do we think about her? Uh, Stamets actually confiding in her. Uh, uh, she, as she stated, snickety grumpy Stamets versus crazy Stamets. Um, I think he just told her so she he, she could leave him alone. <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> wow. He like this. 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 She's not gonna leave me alone. <laughs> she would not take no for answer. <laughs> All right, man. Well, um. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> any other thoughts like i mean I, I, I know you think i'm just dumping on like her being but I, that's like really how i feel about it you well, know I somebody's mean, like hey well, what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing well what are you i doing? mean Fine. It, there, there, there's i mean there's always going to be someone who pries when another person is in distress i mean he eventually did open up to her and i thought that was genuine you know i don't okay, think he was just i've got to get it figured out she is the klingon in disguise <laughs> and she's and she has been sent to rob them of their sanity. Could you imagine how much training a cleaner would have to go through to change their <laughs> attitude that much? Yeah, wow. just like give them a lobotomy and put them in a human form, and you got Tilly. Hey, Tilly has personality. You saw her at that party. That big zit on her head kind of looks like the. Oh, <laughs> let's don't get please. Let's don't, like personal, <laughs> Let's don't get personal. Let's don't get personal. So moving right along. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, the the, 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 the skin grafts just didn't take. The 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 the, the things on the head started coming back through. Bleeding. I'm sorry, back. man. I'm, I'm gonna leave so, Tilly alone. I apologize. So so guys, we see where our Lorca talks with the Vulcan Terrell, and um, yeah, uh, we learned that uh, Discovery, uh, the crew, some of the crew of Discovery is actually on a mission to Pavo, to um, a very high priority mission to um, 
harness this electromagnetic frequency uh, of Pavo's signal from this crystalline structure to devise a way of conquering the Klingon cloak. Now, do we think the 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 way they conquer the cloak in the future series of Star Trek is somehow involved in this one moment, or do we think it's just a different technology altogether? Because it seemed like in past times they've never really had a huge problem that I can remember uh, detecting cloak ships. They looked at like ion trails and things like that. Uh, what do you think about that, John? I'm hoping. Uh, I I just don't see the. I don't see the tie-in with this because this was this this theory was all based on sound, and yeah. as far as I know, there was no sound involved in detecting cloaked ships in any of future series. But I could be wrong. Though. I ca- I kind of get the echolocation thing they're going for here. Like, I, it kind of makes sense. But like to me, you know, it, again, even though I enjoyed this episode, like the whole concept of a cloaked ship in space just. It's just hard for me to wrap my head around because you're not actually like looking at anything to begin with. It's all sensors and heat signatures and stuff. It's like how 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 do you mask a heat signature? Like how 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 is that even possible? Good point. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're not. I mean, it, Discovery it, it does just, have it just a doesn't big, make any sense. Discovery's view screen is a window. I think that's pretty much confirmed because they show pen panning shots of oh, the camera. Oh, so it is a window. Yeah, I mean yeah. it has has all the stuff on top of it, like well, the hood on top of it, but it is a window. But even so, so, like they they have all this scientific technology and they can't detect the ship that's disappeared. Like, like, like sonar was sonar was developed in like but, thousands but, of but, years but, before the show. But like, we we don't know what the basis of the cloak technology is. I can say that. Well. Uh-huh. Here, the basis of the cloak technology in a new series is, I mean, basically close to the same thing as we have as like our stealth fighters. It, it's not that it makes it invisible, but it's, it's invisible reflect, It yeah, and it reflect it refracts light a certain way to where you can't see the ship, and the sensors can't see it. Now the heat signatures and all cloak ships are usually designed with. Certain, I guess I think they call them plasma vents or whatever that will recycle the heat back into the ship, so it'll keep it low enough where it wouldn't be detected. Wow, get the right, science right, on that. me, spit game. Okay, yo. see that, that's that's <laughs> what I was missing. That that actually makes a lot of sense. Okay, so I recant my statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, what do we think of the look of of Pavo? Um, <laughs> I think about other Star Trek series that I've seen where they make the trip on a way team <sighs> to the planet. And it just looks like Earth. <laughs> I this do, reminded me of like Navi from what yeah. is this, what is it? Avatar? Is yeah, that what Avatar. it is? Like that's what this reminded could, me yeah. of. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, I, I do feel they did. They were able to accomplish a look and feel. I don't know if it's the way they slightly shifted colors of the forest, but they did. You know what I feel is like the first time in the Star Trek series, it really, really felt like an alien planet to me. To me. I'm, I'm pretty Especially sure. Especially with that spire or whatever it was. You know what I'm saying? That, yeah. That, 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 that thing that was crystal and whatever. Yeah, that was really cool. That was really cool. So here's where uh, one of my problems with this episode come in. And maybe it's just me being a turkey, but like I'm used to on Star Trek episodes, like I'm used to seeing the entire process of learning of figuring things out. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to see like 
the point yeah. at which they received this signal from this planet and they did the science to figure out what it was and how it would help them. But instead, we just get a cut to scene where they're on this planet and they're doing it. And they, you know, they, they do try to explain it. Michael tries to explain it back. But I mean, part of Star Trek was the science of it and discovering how things work. And I didn't get that. And this is why I re- tried to rewind again, because I wanted to see the process of finding this out. And I didn't. And that kind of hurts. <laughs> you know, when you said that, I was thinking, you know, it's ironic that the name of this show is Discovery. But I don't think that because you could. OK, so let me let me back up re- real quick with Star Trek, the original and even into uh, the next generation it was a mission of discovery, you know, and so that goes right along with what you're saying, Jonathan, with the, um, you know, scientific discovery and et cetera. But with this one, even though the name of the show is discovery, this I don't think is anything about exploring. This is all war. And I guess you can use it for that. You know, you are in wartime. So I guess our focus should be on the war. And not really on the science part of it, but it's still Star Trek, and that's what we expect, you know. No, I mean I see. I mean, I mean, I'm not just you know disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that's just kind of how it feels to me. Is this is just Star Trek at war? Yeah, I mean, right. And I, I definitely get your point that we were kind of like just dumped on this planet, no real true backstory of you know how they came to this realization that this crystal structure could possibly you know decloak a, a Klingon sh- uh, ship. We just kind of got thrown into it. But I mean that being said, we did get what is a very Star Trekian um that I felt scene where Saru is kind of just and I felt this too when Burnham was making contact with the space whale, you know Saru kind of made his his first contact with this alien species. And that part in itself to me, you know, that is kind of what Star Trek is all about. I mean, did did that you guys feel that at all or was it, you know, still missing the mark? Now that I can't agree with you. That 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 was I did enjoy that part. But it's just it's just I kept going back to why are we here? You know, how did we discover how do we know that this would work? Yeah. Yeah. Not but to, I did. I mean, I did. I did appreciate the actual science in that once we got into this story, this part of the storyline, I did appreciate the science of it. Yeah. So so is it just a thing now that when we're on an away mission, everybody just wears black colors instead of their normal gold or whatever? Because it seemed like everybody wore like black stripes uh, on this mission. And I didn't notice that. I didn't even I didn't notice it either. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see any gold or anything from Saru. It was all seemed like the lines were black, and they had their kind of, I guess, combat vest on. Uh, yeah, but the suits were a bit, bit different while they were on the away mission. Hmm. I had to go back and look at that. I really didn't notice that. So, what? And Carrot might have something to say on this. What do we think about the the story? How it kind of developed to where Saru was just this totally different character. Once the Pavans were able to remove his fear, because that was the disconnect in this episode to me, because I, you know, I understand that's very much a core part of Saru having the fears of Keplin. But to me, the way he just totally changed, I'm not sure if I really got that. Well, I didn't take it as they removed his fear. I took it as 
and he mentions it toward the end, but he just he just felt so much safe, so safe there. Like his his fear just didn't exist anymore. He had nothing to fear there. That's kind of how I took it. See, I took it more so. It felt. I mean, it felt to me like he, or my interpretation of it was that he had been possessed by the, uh-huh. um, these beings, not necessarily that he himself had decided uh, that was, that was kind of how I felt he was acting, that he had been, he was kind of almost controlled by them. Yeah. 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 I mean, it almost felt like a, I want to say like a chemical imbalance or something in him, you know, um, because the way he changed, you know, he, he's going from this meek, mild individual into this, you know, destructive, violent, you know, person. And I don't, I don't know if I feel the fact that it's just him losing his fear would make him jeopardize everything, you know, everything he's worked for, unless it was actually changing him, really, like really changing him other than just, just taking away his fear. Um, just, I don't, I don't know if I just fully understood that though. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't want to jump to the end, but I, I just felt like he explained it pretty well in the end when he was in sickbay. Well, let's, let's you know, do she, it. Let's go ahead and uh, explain it. Well, you know, Michael was asking him, was he, was he okay? And then she's like, you know, this wasn't you. You know, don't feel bad. It wasn't you. And, you know, he says, well, actually, yes, it really was me. He said this was probably the truest form of me. I don't think he used those exact words. But he said, remember that I born into fear i've known fear every day of my life but when i got to this planet and felt the harmony and the peace on this planet that's the safest i've ever felt and i didn't want that to end i I would have been okay being there forever that that was not his exact words verbatim but and to me that kind of explained where because at first i was going with you like that possessed him and all he did all this out of his mind but really, I think he was in his mind. He probably went overboard because he liked the idea so much. But I think it was still him. Hmm. So is this kind of the equivalent of when uh, a child is ultra shelter- sheltered <laughs> and when they get out the house, they just go wild? Right, right. <laughs> Kids go wild. Yeah, but on the, on the same thought on that is if if – if he was in control of his faculties uh, when he was basically, you know, doing anything and everything to keep them from uh, summoning back, I don't know if I would trust him too much anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they trust them. So, hey, it could happen. <laughs> but uh, just that's some a few more takeaways from, you know, that last few scenes we saw with with um, with Saru Burnham and Ash Tyler, uh, I thought the fight was really cool. I really enjoyed the fight. I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, you know, to see partners go fist to cuffs, I thought it was really cool. I I found it strange how the aliens actually transported Ash Tyler to the location. I thought that didn't make any sense to me because they never right. they, they never showed Ash Tyler having any connection with the aliens at all. But all of a sudden they're gonna transport him to the spire. I, I that I I didn't get it. Again, another either. part that they just left out that should was important <laughs> to know. I thought. Yeah. Zero explanation. Agreed. Uh, yeah, and again, I uh, just, go ahead. Well, I was gonna 
I was gonna say, I don't know, you pray, you may have been going this direction, but I, I did enjoy the I enjoy seeing Saru with some abilities, some advanced abilities, almost superpower. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, eighty miles that, per that hour. Yeah, he can run like eighty kilometers per hour. I don't think they said miles. I think it was kilometers per hour, which which I thought was really freaking awesome. Yeah, and just to see him kind of fight, especially knowing when he when he walks, he's in these stilt light boots, which you know did, don't seem easy to even walk in. But he's doing all this other stuff. I thought was really awesome as well. So did they mention if he had if he had like extra strength, like super strength or something? Uh, I'm not sure, but he was kind of tossing him <laughs> around a bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really like this rule. If he could take his demeanor from the planet to the ship, I would like him, like, even more. Harness your pain. <laughs> <laughs> Future but, Elk title. But, but, but again, you know, um, Seeing, seeing, um, Doug Jones in that last sick bay scene that you just mentioned a few, a few seconds ago. I mean, his acting is just phenomenal, man. He just continues to have these, these moments where his acting is just off the charts. And I, I really love that, that sick bay scene. So guys, we've kind of covered the whole, um, Starfleet on Pavo part of the, of the episode. Let's move on to the Klingons. So we see where Laurel makes this plea to Cole to try and become part of his interrogation team, I guess. And we see where she actually eventually goes and she interrogates um Admiral Karen Cornwell. Is this believable that Laurel is all of a sudden, a sudden wanting to defect and actually become a prisoner of war for Starfleet. Do we, do we ever really believe that? Oh, yeah, I'm kind of, mmm, too. Possible just because she's so upset, but there's something else going on there. Agreed. And again, here's another part where they left something out. <laughs> and I guess we'll get to that in a minute, but no, go ahead. Let's hear it. What, what you got? Well, well, Okay, and maybe maybe I had a technical difficulty and I skipped something. But when they were escaping the prison cell, and then they got caught, and then the fight, and like, did she kill her? Agreed. Did, did she? I don't. Uh, Admiral... And if she did, where where did this turn? They were friends running out of there, and they turn around because Cleanons caught them, and then she said. You know, they had an exchange of words, which I assumed at the time were just kind of all for show. Yeah. Then yeah. she, like, killed her. Yeah, at first, I mean, when I first saw that scene, I thought that she was just going to rough up Cornwell a bit, you know, beat her up a little bit, bruise her up a bit, and eventually they would continue on on their journey to try to escape. But I think one of the main parts about that, because I think it was Cole was the person that actually saw them walking down the hall. So maybe the fact that it was Cole that saw them is what led her to, okay, I can't let you live now. And, and my interpretation is that she, she was, she was killed. If she's alive, I would be shocked. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if she's I, dead, I'm pissed. <laughs> Cause we spent a lot of time building that relationship. Like, and then, like just nothing really. 
Yeah, it it, it it did feel like a throwaway for the amount of investment we've put in uh, to, to Admiral Cornwell. But but that being said, I mean, when we pretty much see Lorca send her off. We kind of know she's toast, right? Yeah, agreed. Well, and that's, again, here's my point. At that point, we pretty much wrote her off as gone, and we'd have been perfectly fine if she never showed up again. Yeah. But for them to bring her back... Writer into another scene makes me think that she has a more important role in the future. Yeah, and I really like. And maybe she acting. still does. I mean, you know, we haven't, you know, seen her wake up yet. Maybe she didn't hit her as hard as we think she did. Well, it, it wasn't only the hit; she like pushed her up against a conduit and like shocked the crap out of her too. So, right. uh, <laughs> and then drug her into a room of dead Klingons. And left her there. And what even furthers my thought is, you know, if it was all for show, she would at least once she drug her in there would have checked her to see if she was still alive yeah. or said something. I mean, she just walked out like, hey, I killed you and I'm just going to stash your body here. But yeah. she may have also known that, OK, if she's trying to, you know, realize, OK, I'm I'm number one, she's self-preservation. So, you yeah. know, that's the uh, motivation. I get I she, get that totally. Say what now? No, I mean, I agree with you. Totally. That's that's her motivation in those scenes. And who's to say that when she's pulling her into, um, you know, the the room of the dead or whatever you want to call it, that they don't have monitors that are watching what she's doing. So, uh, you know, let's assume that she's smarter than we, you know, I'm not saying we're not giving her credit, but that, that she's smart. She would know, okay, if I were in this position, I would be watching at this being or you know this person that i was suspicious of so i'm going to be watching what they are doing so you know i just think that that was a tactical thing to do and then okay i can come back and you know get her later if she's still trying to get off the ship if that's if that was still her goal her goal could have completely changed at that point yeah i, I think cornwell's dead i mean i think we yeah i mean i still think she's friend. dead but yeah no but it, excellent point though because i mean when the focus is shifted back to you, you got to kind of make it look like you're still on board. And I think she accomplishes that because we see in the next few scenes where, uh, you know, she goes and pledges her allegiance reluctantly to Cole and Cole, uh, you know, indoctrinates her into the into the group. So um, if that was her, her original motive, I don't think it was. But, you know, it something good came out of it for her. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I'm sad to see Cornwell go. Again. <laughs> okay. I mean, really, they could have used that time. They built that whole escape plan up. They could have used that time to show us the discovery of this new planet that's going to give them the technology to detect cloak ships. I think that would have been more important to write into. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, so that I mean, if, think- if they're going to kill Cornwell off, then it that whole scene was just unnecessary. So that leads me to think that if they did spend their time doing that, there's a reason why they did that. Hmm. I don't know. We think there's been reasons in the past and they haven't really paid off yet. So it may be the long game. It may pay off. I'm not saying it won't, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I guess we just gotta keep watching guys. <laughs> I just kind of got a feeling that they're trying to, I think they're leaving. It's a good thing to kind of leave, Mystery. Do an episode that leaves a lot of mystery because that builds suspense around your show. But after so long of mystery, you kind of start 
like saying, "Okay, I'm I'm tired of this. I need to know something now." You know, you must didn't watch Lost, did you? No, <laughs> just for that reason. Point <laughs> taken. I haven't seen it. To be honest, um, uh, a few more takeaways in this episode. We see where Burnham and Ash Tyler have a moment. Uh, kind of uh, saw that coming, you know, several episodes ago, I guess. And um, yeah, what do we what do we think of that? Do we, you know, it's just bound to happen? Uh, I still think he's going to break her heart. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <'cause, laughs> any thoughts? Uh, I I think it's a good. I think it's going to be a lasting relationship, unless unless Ash Taylor becomes turns out to be the clean and spy. I mean, I think it's solid. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of with you there. I kind of agree. And I guess the ultimate setup for this episode, which I do feel this was a setup episode, uh, it kind of sets us up for the next episode where um, we find this. The Palvins are actually summoning the Klingons to the Discovery's location. Um, yeah, so should make for a good next episode. Uh, the a- name of the next episode is actually Into the Forest I Go. Um yeah, so excited about that one, and it, that's going to be our last one till uh, till January, right? Right before, yeah, I believe, yeah, it's the mid mid. What did they call it? A mid season finale? Yeah, I believe so. I believe yeah, so. It is. Yeah. So, guys, any other takeaways? Anything we missed in this episode that you want to recant real or talk about real quick before we uh, kind of give our parting words? Okay. So, guys, thanks again for being on. I think Carrie may have dropped off, but. Kyle Jones, who's, yes, sir. who's historian, what have you been up to, sir? Anything you want to talk about, plug, or just something you want to put on everybody's radar? I, well, for any Doctor Who fan today, uh, big news in the world of Doctor Who. The TARDIS gets a makeover in 2018, and uh, you know the first pictures are surfacing of what that looks like, as well as you know it's been revealed what the 13th doctor will be wearing, which is always a big thing of doctor who lore is what will the new doctor be wearing? So that, that was happening in the world of who today. And, uh, the latest episode of doctor who Podshot also came out today. So, um, good doctor who day for me. Cool beans, cool beans, cow, uh, John, anything, uh, trick story. And what have you been working on or just want to plug, put on our radar? You have anything for us? Uh, not really today, uh, but there's a couple of things I found out. Well, I just realized, which I think I'm very late to, but the doctor on Orville was actually Cassidy Yates yeah, on DS9. Yeah, yeah, uh, Cisco's girlfriend. That is awesome. <laughs> I knew that, man. I like her now. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, she's awesome. She's awesome. And, you know, just to plug Orville real quick, that was a pretty good semi annoying episode with her and her kids i i i enjoyed it but the kids kind of got on my nerves <laughs> yeah but but it's a pretty good episode we got to see her uh you know it's kind of cool to see her after all these years get an episode focused on her which i don't believe she ever really got in ds9 uh kind of when she was uh shipping things to the uh what do i want to say yeah, I, I think I remember that's when she like lied to Cisco and she was right, like, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah, good to see her, you know, uh, step back into it. You know, I want to yep. see Cisco in something. 
I want to see Avery Brooks do something, man. He's just, he kind of like, you know, just, he, he said, I'm done. And <laughs> I think he does stage stuff actually, but I don't think he does any like on camera, uh, work, which is just but look at how many actors that actually do that. You know, they do this role that they get known for and then that's it. Yeah. And they go and do other stuff, not television. I tell you what, on my neck, on the next podcast, well, no, I may save that for our break. I'll do some research into all of the captains and what they're doing now. Ah, sounds like an episode, an excellent episode. There is that movie. And also. one more thing I want to mention yeah, too, go kind of going back to Orville. You know, we were talking about how well Orville would do since we have Discovery, but it too has been renewed for a second season. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, more over Orville on the way. And I mean, I have to say, I do enjoy it. You know, we've stated that, you know, it's not near as good to me as Star Trek, but it definitely follows in that same vein uh, of, of some uh, classic series of Star Trek. So, you know, I, I thought it's a good show. It's a good show. It has its problems. But they just. They just need to invest more in the shuttle scenes. We keep having shuttle <laughs> scenes with bad CG and it's bothering me. You have asked to grab these shuttle scenes, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, after seeing the awesome battle that we saw in this last episode of Discovery and then watching that, it's like, eh, you know, but their their story pretty much makes up for it most of the time. Yeah, um, most of the time. <laughs> So, guys, if you want more of the STD podcast, uh, you can check us out on Twitter at STD underscore podcast. Also, check us out on Instagram as well as Facebook uh, at STD podcast. And also visit the site stdpodcast.com. And, yeah, if you haven't and you like the show, you've been listening, uh, we urge you to go ahead and subscribe on the a podcasting platform of your choice. If you go to our website, I have plenty of links down there for, for almost everything that you can find pretty easily. So yeah, uh, subscribe to the show if you're a listener. And um, again, leave us feedback at fans at stdpodcast.com. We want to hear from you guys. And yeah, um, I guess that's it for us, for uh, Kyle, John, and Carrie. I'm Clarence. And uh, somebody want to say the parting words? Oh, Live maybe. long and prosper. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs>
I accept your challenge, human. We have to abort now. We don't run from a fight. 